0: Hey, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, Captains Keith Colburn and Sig Hansen from the award-winning documentary series Deadliest Catch will share some surprising science lessons from the fishing world. But first, you'll learn about the psychology behind sour grapes.
0: Let's satisfy some curiosity.
1: You've heard the term sour grapes, right? It basically means that when people can't get something they want, they tend to decide it's not worth wanting at all. The term originally came from Aesop's fables, and thousands of years later, researchers looked into the idea. They found that it's a tendency we still have today, a tendency they call the sour grape effect. The fable was about a fox who tried to eat grapes from a vine but couldn't reach them. Rather than admit he just couldn't jump high enough, the fox just said he didn't want the grapes anyway, since they were unripe and sour. That's where we get the phrase sour grapes. Aesop's fables taught human morals, so it makes sense that the people in this recent study basically did the same thing. Across six experiments, scientists gave people either good or bad feedback on a test. The researchers found that people who were randomly selected to get bad feedback predicted they'd feel less happy about a good test result in the future. Relatable, right? I mean, who hasn't failed at something and tried to hide their shock and disappointment? Scientists think we do this as a self-protective strategy. We don't want our bad results to say something about who we are or who we'll become in the future. So we pretend to have never wanted it at all. We don't need those sour grapes. But when scientists told the participants that they'd gotten top scores on a subsequent test, the participants were all equally happy. Basically, people who had failed just underestimated how good it would feel to succeed. The test showed just one exception to the rule and that was for people who were high in what's called achievement motivation. People who value success and are motivated by future success were undeterred by failure. Unlike everyone else, these people were able to correctly predict that future success would make them happy. The sour grape effect seems to be relatively universal. Scientists found the same results in both the United States and Norway, and in the lab, the field, and online. These results suggest that our desires are pretty limited, It seems that what we want is limited by what we think we can get.
0: Today, we're going to take a deep dive into the science of fishing with a couple very special guests who know a thing or two about the subject. Captains Keith Colburn and Sig Hansen. You may know them from the Emmy award-winning documentary series, Deadliest Catch, which just returned for its 16th season. And these guys aren't your average fishing boat captains because they do the deadliest job on Earth crab fishing off the Alaskan coast on the icy Bering Sea. Ashley and I were pretty pumped to ask them about the science of fishing and how their job has changed over the last several years. To start off, here's what Sig told us about sustainability.
2: These days, we're all about sustainability. That's what we care about for our future. So these days, uh, the Alaskan fishermen will take 15% at most of the uh, overall mature males. And so the rest is discarded, so that we can you know they can go back and grow and and uh, and populate so we've been very careful with that. that being said uh we've done our part, but even even though we do our part and we we don 't overfish and we 're very careful, you still have this mortality rate you know there's still the very high swings up and down. Of, of different levels of populations, and that's just a mortality rate. And what's interesting to me is when you look at, especially the fisheries. If you stop fishing one species, it affects all the others, right? So, in my opinion, uh, the ecosystem there is really no. It's a man-made ecosystem right now because everything up there is a product. It's a resource, and so when you overfish or underfish one one resource it kind of directly reflects onto another. And so it's a fine line that we're we're playing, but so far I'm very proud to say that Alaska is all about sustainability and and it has changed all industries up there, you know, from pollock and codfish and crab and and all these species that are
0: harvested for food. Turns out the crews on fishing boats are doing their part to help keep ecosystems intact. Pretty cool, right? Well, you can't talk about ecosystems without also talking about climate change. So we followed up with this question. Has climate change had a big impact on what you guys do? Here's Keith.
3: It has definitely had an impact. And what it is is this, it's changing oceans. They are warming. As they warm, we're having more severe weather patterns. The storms we see today are much more frequent and much more intense than what we were going through 10, 20, 30 years ago. I mean, 30 years ago, if we had one really hellacious storm come through where it was blowing 50, 60, 70 miles an hour with, you know, 30 plus 40 foot seas, that might be a once a year phenomenon during the winter for us with a lot of smaller storms. Now we are seeing these storms of amazing intensity that are wreaking havoc with our fisheries coming through the grounds multiple storms a year. Those are becoming more the norm and not the anomaly. Also, with the weather being more severe, we're seeing, you know, in 2012 and 2013, we had the two coldest years on record in the Bering Sea, the worst ice we've ever seen. The next five years, almost zero ice, incredibly warm temperatures. So, we're seeing a cycle of warm and cold and warm and cold that's just out of control. And so it's hard to predict what's happening to the crab on the bottom. It's hard to predict where we're going to get to fish, if we're going to get to fish based on the weather.
2: To add to that, Keith, when, when we see a lot of icing with the ice, when the ice breaks off and it builds and it comes down into the Bering Sea from, from Russia, basically what it's doing is bringing down nutrients. And so, so with all those nutrients, you know, you're feeding that ocean and now like he said, if you're if you're not getting that ice, well, then you see differences in fish in the fishing. You'll see uh, maybe the the crab schools are either farther north or different places than they may have been in the past. so there's there's no pattern that we can count on as fishermen. we We know they're there. There's still an abundance of crab. It's just where are they? Another thing I'd like to add is that not just with the crab fisheries, but also with the the, the pollock and and some other species, because of the temperature change, they're predicting, or they're seeing, that they are traveling deeper, because deeper is colder. And Even for the fish, not just the crab, they're, they're going north. So you can imagine if, let's just say, hypothetically, you've got this imaginary line, Russia slash Alaska, and if Russia is deeper, colder, And all of a sudden, these species that we presume are ours, and now they're kind of heading over the line because they want to, you know, they're just changing real estate, so to speak. Well, is that our fish or is it their fish? Is it our crab? Is it their crab? You see? So we get into this little mix or a potential problem. Isn't that interesting? So, you know, we've been sustainable and we've been careful and we don't over harvest we under harvest and we've done all the right things yet say
3: you're the one that under harvest (laughs) 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 take take one for the team say good job but anyways (laughs) to to, to go here in, in a nutshell climate all of the fisheries and every fish species and anything in any river stream ocean sea is dictated by water temperatures. They spawn at a certain temperature. They mate at a certain temperature. They become prolific and and, uh, move at certain temperatures, right? Everything from salmon going up the river to crab going out to the thermocline where their primary food source blooms, all of these things. And so it's making it more and more difficult for us from year to year seeing these drastic swings in water temperatures that are We've never recorded before. We've had warmer temperatures in the Bering Sea in the last five years that have ever been recorded. And then before that, we had the temperatures, I said, that were colder. But this isn't just a fishing scale. It's a global thing. All right? The Earth is made up of mostly water. It dictates everything from hurricanes to typhoons to, you know, storms and abnormal situations. And we're seeing more and more, you know, hundred year floods, thousand year floods, all of these different crazy aspects that are coming because of the climate changing. Now, if you don't believe in climate change, I don't know, go watch Pinocchio or something, whatever, I don't care. Um, But bottom line is the oceans are changing. And with that change, it is impacting the globe. And the globe, just like with our electronics on the boat, has become a much smaller place. We need to do a lot more to keep it healthy.
0: There's a whole lot more you can learn from Captains Keith and Sig on Deadliest Catch, which returned for its landmark 16th season just last week. Tune into Deadliest Catch Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on Discovery.
1: All right, so let's recap what we learned today.
0: Well, sour grapes means you decide something isn't worth it when you can't get it. And researchers think it's a strategy for self-protection. Do you ever do this? Oh, man. Well, you know, I was going to run a marathon like you, but marathons are lame.
1: <laughs> I feel like whenever people make fun of my marathoning, that's always what I assume. I'm just like, you're, you just have sour grapes.
0: You're just jealous. That's what you're saying.
1: You're just jealous. And we learned that sustainability is a big deal with fishing crews up Alaska. Every species you fish impacts another species, so it's important to keep everything in balance. SIG calls it a man made ecosystem, and climate change is only making it harder to maintain.
0: Yeah, hearing those guys really dig deep into the specific effects of climate change, like that kind of blew my mind, especially with the fish moving around and in, in, when you think about it moving over boundary lines, right? And actually, they run into some Russian fishing boats on this season of Deadliest Catch, and that's. That becomes kind of a big part of this season because everything's moving around.
1: Yeah, they're trying to get to colder waters. And also,
0: bonus, you're going to hear again from Keith and Sig later this week because we also asked them a little bit about how they're able to stay on boats in close quarters with small groups of people for long periods of time, which is something many people around the world are also forced to do right now.
1: I can't imagine what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. So we're going to get their very fun but also very helpful advice later this week. Stay tuned. Nice. Today's first story was written by Kelsey Donk and edited by Ashley Hammer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily.
1: Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again
0: tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes.
1: And until then, stay curious.